definitely think that's the most important thing. I mean, if it ever got to be too much work and it wasn't fun and I wasn't getting messages from students or from people saying, thank you for this, or thanks for the encouragement, or thank you for sharing, I I wouldn't do it, but it's fun still and it's awesome. Hey everybody, welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud Marketing Podcast. Today I have Tanasia Crocker. There's been a running theme on this show of me mispronouncing names of cities, of people. And when you were first introduced to us, I I think four or five people on our team tried to pronounce your name. And then I think you spoke with Lauren on our team and like she spelled it out phonetically in our company Slack. And I think everyone was like, whoa, no idea. Yeah, I'm actually extremely impressed that you just got that correct. And I appreciate it. It was actually a funny game in college. I would bet people on whether they could say my name or not correctly if I spelled it out for them. And I think I won a couple of free drinks that way because no one can say my name (laughs) with just the spelling. It's a family Dutch name, so it's a little different, but I like it. Yeah, it's it's a great name. It's like a famous person's name, you know, like... Adam, that's, you know, you think of famous people, you think of like LeBron James. That's a famous person's name. It just is. And Tanasia is like a Hollywood name. You know, I um, I also feel like I should be a Hollywood star. So I'll just put that out there since you're in California. And no, I'm joking. <laughs> I've got connections. You can get me hooked up. I think it's one of those names that it could stand alone, which is nice. But my name used to be Tanasia Mayu, and that is a mouthful. And I was actually really happy when I got married and I could take on Crocker because I felt like Dr. Crocker just really flowed well. And it it was nice. Yeah, I like Dr. Crocker. That's I mean, that's a good like veterinary name. My husband laughs at me all the time because I'm, I'm like, Dr. Crocker, Dr. Crocker pet vet. And I'm like, it just flows. And he's like, you're so weird. But don't you think it's nice when things are have like a musicality to them or have a a flow to them. How did you name Whisker Cloud? I don't think I know that. Oh, man. You just had, and I was actually featured in an article. I, I love this. You're, you're starting off with great questions and a lot of people probably don't know this. So I had owned another company and I was getting ready to, well, I was building Whisker Cloud, but it was at the time, the code name was Vetly and I was building what was going to be called Vetly, but the domain was taken. There were trademarks on it. And I, I spent a year, seriously, a year as I was building this, and I had whiteboards and Excel spreadsheets and I was using like name generators and I could not figure it out at all. And I was getting pissed and we were maybe two months to launch and I didn't have a logo. I didn't have a name. And, and I, and I had made the decision on a Saturday morning that I'm done. The word vet is out. Too many people use the word vet. So I'm like sitting there and I'm like, okay, I want it to be techy. I want it to be fun. So I'm sitting in the kitchen at our apartment in Denver and my wife was on the couch drinking her coffee, watching TV. And I'm sitting there just saying stupid shit out loud. Tech vet, <laughs> tech cloud. For pet. And, and I said, it was so stupid. And I mean, I had gone through a thousand trademarks and domains and I like slammed my fist down on the kitchen table just in frustration. I just yelled out loud, what do all animals have? And she goes, whiskers, call it whisker cloud. And I went, done. Oh man, you just nailed it. I literally like filed a bunch of paperwork. Yeah. And I mean, that was just me like getting really mad at myself thinking like, I'm not this bad at this. 
my, my previous company was named Greenbaum Digital. So it's my last name, kind of hard. You know, it wasn't too hard to mess that up. But yeah, for this, it was just, I wanted it to be perfect. And we had had, we had settled on some names and I would tell people like, yeah, this is the new company. And they'd be like, eh. I have the two Boston Terriers. One time I was at the beach with them and I pulled Baxter out of the water and he's squirming. And this guy comes up to me and goes, looks like you cut yourself a little squid there. And I just thought it was so funny. So we were trying to use the word, like we had looked, we had talked about like squid cloud, but like, okay, it's kind of cute, but does it make sense? Like what does squids have to do with vet med? So we were kind of playing with some squid stuff there and, um, and it just never took off. But yeah, that's, that's how a whisker cloud came. That is crazy cool. And it's, it's like, it was your baby. So you wanted the name to be perfect. Like when you name a kid, you go through 20 million names too. And the vet thing is hard to incorporate. So I think you were smart in saying, I'm going to go a different direction. I have a secret dream of owning a hospital and I do the same thing. I lay in bed and, and throw out hospital names all the time and try not to use the word vet. And my husband gets extremely annoyed with me. So <laughs> It's just so hard when you're like trying to be creative because it's like on one hand, you want to have you know, you like, you really want to come up with something creative, but on the other hand, it's like my veterinary hospital, it's Huntington beach pet hospital. It's like, right. yeah, you know what, if I was like here in Huntington beach or Newport beach, and I was going to start a, start a hospital, like for SEO purposes and just for like overall purposes, I'd probably just call it Newport beach animal hospital or Newport beach veterinary clinic, because that's what people will search. And then you have some of these other companies out there that are just like, you know what, screw it. We're going to go all in. We're going to become a brand. That's the cool thing. Don't you think that our industry as a whole, to me, there's a great niche there for people who want to be different and brand. And I personally think the public is looking for those practices or at least the type of clients I like are looking for those types of practices. So I like that people are taking more of a risk and kind of trying different names and trying different things and concepts these days. I think it's really cool and really exciting. I think we had 37 hospitals sign up with Whisker Cloud last month. Nice. And, and I would say more than half of them in their like entry survey with us said, make my website look like BondVet. Well, yeah, I feel like a lot of people in VetMed are noticing BondVet New York and I've noticed them and, and I think what they're doing is great. I think what a lot of people don't realize is the amount of money that was spent on the 4K videos, the high def photos, the branding, mm-hmm. the logos, they put so much effort into it and they still have the word vet in their name, obviously, but you know, they're able to, they get so much content built out that you can, they have the ability to build that. And we have hospitals and, and people that come to us and it's like, man, they have professional photos, professional videos. The difference in someone saying, you know what, we're just small town, send us some, just use some beautiful stock photos, make sure they don't look too stocky and, you know, make sure it features these types of dogs and these types of cats and these colors. That's cool. And we have, you know, we, we purchased some like premium images that we don't share on multiple sites. So what we do go through is we really make it look like this, like clean professional site. And we try to match it so people don't know that they're stock, but there's just a difference when you're taking the high def photos and videos in the hospital. Like that's how you become a brand. And you know, it's that it's spending the money on ads because the SEO, no one's typing in bond vet. They're typing in New York city or they're typing in their zip code or whatever borough they're in. So there's definitely, you know, both sides, but it's like anything else. If you're willing to spend the money, you can get away without some of those like SEO games that people play. Yeah. There's an art to it for sure. And I, 
I always joke that all of it is above my pay grade. I like to take pictures and make videos, but then I want somebody else to take them and like do something with them and make them look good and use them. I think for our website with you guys, half of the pictures were just from my phone. But we Photoshop them and they look great. I mean, that's how, I mean, that's what we do is when people send us photos, when you have like a, when you have a site, like I, I use a 27 inch iMac and then I have a 29 inch 4k monitor next to it. So it's like, when I look at a site, I'm like, this is cool. I just want the photos to be crisp enough to where if you have someone like me, who's full screening it and looking at your site, it still looks good. And you're not sitting there like, Oh man, this is really blurry and outdated. I'm weird though. I mean, I feel like a lot of people as this podcast is going or people are realizing how OCD I am about a lot of those things. But that's why you're good at your job. Like I want somebody working for me that's OCD about what I put them in charge of. Like that is one of the best qualities you can have. And an attention to detail that I don't want to worry about. I think that that is wonderful. And it was silly. I I didn't even realize the difference between having a website on your phone versus like the computer or even the different computer monitor signs. And Lauren was amazing because she pretty much dumbed down all of it for me (laughs) because I didn't understand it. And she said, well, you know, we want you to be able to look at it on your phone and not have to like move it around. It's all right there in the middle and then look at this and then on an iPad. And then, and the fact that you have to take it and I don't know, calibrate it so it can do all that. I don't know. It was really interesting to me, but I was really happy I wasn't the one that was actually doing it. So, No, the way we build sites is pretty much, I would say, much different than any other company in this space. I look at the full suite of things we do, and I don't like to say we have competitors, but yes, there are other companies that focus on veterinary websites. I mean, when you're looking at websites in life, like I was going to say you'll notice, but I don't think a lot of people notice it. But I look at it, and then if I see a site I really like, I'll pull it up on my phone. You know what we do? is a lot of people build what's called responsive sites and they'll just have something that shrinks down and molds to it. But we don't do that. We actually physically code in like what size we want the font to be on different size screens and like in ranges. And those ranges are typically like iMac, laptop, tablet, and then phone. And like, so we're, we're doing that. But yeah, I mean, we're not just having it respond down because if we have something that's big and bold that says extra credit with Dr. Crocker and it's 50 points on a computer, well, we don't want it to just be on a phone and be 50 points. It's going to, it's going to take up a half the screen and it's going to look really weird. And it's going to be on like four lines when it should be on two. So we take that 50 point on the desktop and we'll make it 28 on tablet and then like 16 or 18 on a phone. And the funny thing is like, I don't think I like the way we do it because I don't think people even realize that it's happening when they look at the site on one device to another or when they shrink their screen. They don't realize like, wow, that text shrunk. But in the ratio text to screen or text to space size on the screen, it stays identical, but we shrink it to match that ratio. So sounds really scientific. And when I hire like new web designers and I tell them how we build sites, they're always like, dude, isn't this like three times harder than it needs to be? And I say, no, you know, what's really hard is when, when you build this site and then you get five emails from the person saying, Hey, the text is taking up half my screen on my phone. Why doesn't yeah. this look this way? Why is the button so big? So those are some of the details that we go through. Yeah. I mean, I think I drive a lot of the employees at Whisker Cloud crazy, but we're no different than veterinarians. It's like, what we're doing is it's a wellness plan. We're, we're basically telling you guys, if we do this right at the beginning, if you're on the right vaccine schedule, if you're if you're taking your flea and heartworm and tick preventatives and have the right diet, 
you're not going to call us for an emergency. And that's sort of how we try to look at it. I love that theory or how you practice because that is 100% what we do. Like our practice, every time I have new clients, I try to kind of train them, I guess, and teach them that we are going to push preventative medicine because in the long run, it's better for their pet and it's cheaper for the owners if we stay on top of stuff and we monitor stuff regularly. And I think that once people realize why we're doing what we're doing and you explain the value, it really changes their perception of what we're recommending. But I always, with heartworm prevention, I'm like, it's so much cheaper to just give them heartworm prevention than it is to treat them. And I think explaining those concepts is very important and communicating it effectively. But that's a whole nother topic. Well, I want to know this. On every episode, you're probably ready for this. I love Marvel. I love superheroes. I've been a fan my entire life. So I always want to know the origin story of the people I talk to on this podcast and the people I don't talk to on this podcast. So, you know, what point in life were you just like, this is it. I'm going to be a vet. I always joke. It's the the moment the radioactive spider bit your hand and you became spider woman. So what happened? How'd you get here? I would say my story is fairly typical, just in the fact that I was like a horse kid. I lived in the barn. I was raised in the barn. I was always with horses. I missed a lot of school and traveled and showed. And so the horses were my primary passion. And then from being around veterinarians coming out, I started to get really interested in what they did. And I believe I was when I was around five years old and I was very confident and told my dad that I was going to be a horse trainer because I wanted to work with horses the rest of my life. And he very confidently told me that I should make another decision if I wanted to be able to pay my bills and didn't want to wreck my body. And you would maybe say five's too young for that, but I feel like uh, my dad's always been a straight shooter. So he started kind of talking to me about other things I could do and still work on horses, but make a decent living. And he knew I loved to learn. And so he actually had vets out and me working with them and doing stuff pretty much my whole childhood. And the more I did it, the more I saw it really fueled my passion to be around horses, but also the science side of me and the side of me that wanted to kind of be outside and work and learn. So I originally went to vet school to be a horse vet and I was a horse vet for four years. And now I do small animal medicine and (laughs) ER work. So I always tell students, you never know where you're going to end up in this profession. But the cool thing is you can do a lot of different things. But yeah, I was a typical little kid who was like, I want to be a veterinarian and work on horses. And I did it. So my wife grew up riding horses and she loves it. And her dad always tells me that the biggest raise he ever got in his professional career (laughs) was when she stopped riding horses. Yes. I got so mad at my dad, actually, because when we got married, my dad told my husband, don't ever let her tell you that the horse only cost $10,000. He's like, the $10,000 is the start. And my husband was like, hey, your dad just pulled me aside and told me this. And I'm like, dad, why in the world would you tell him that? So yeah, he quickly informed him of how it can uh, add up. And honestly, growing up, I don't think I realized uh, the financial implications of what I was doing. I just loved it. And it really fueled me. And luckily, we were able for me to travel and and do it all. And so now my kids starting to get into it. She's only eight, but she's a little horseback riding fool. And she's awesome at it. So we're going to start putting some money aside, it looks like for her in the future. 
I've done a good job. It's like we bought a house last year and then like the horse stuff came up. I'm like, oh, it was the house or the horse you picked. <laughs> <laughs> it's one letter off. You had to make that choice. Yeah, it's not going to last forever. I will tell you that I think horses are cheaper therapy than a therapist. So, you know, <laughs> take that as you will, but I will. <laughs> So you worked on horses, now you work on small animal, and now you do emergency stuff. I see a lot of the pictures you post on Instagram, and we're going to talk about a funny Instagram story in a few, but what's it like? I mean, for the vets that listen to this that aren't that aren't doing emergency, is it as chaotic as I picture it in my head? So I actually do emergency relief. So I have like a job and a half. So I do GP, small animal, full-time, and then I pick up two to six days a month at the emergency clinic to help them out. And I've done it for eight years. And I just love not knowing what's going to walk in the door. I love that it's hectic. I love that I work with specialists and I can learn from them. So it's something that I've just continued to do, even though I have my full-time GP job. But yes, emergency right now is insane. I pride myself on leaving on time when I work a shift and being very efficient. And I'm pretty good at that after so many years of doing relief. And I can't get out on time now. I mean, there's just so many appointments. There's so many people. And then everything right now is still curbside. And that adds an added element of time. And everything is just more intense than the emergency clinic in general. So it has been, I've never been one to really be stressed out or anxious. And 2020 has definitely put that to the test for sure. It's interesting too, because everyone knows I love the Hulk and I, and I tend to be like a pretty like intense guy. And I found myself the opposite in 2020. Like, I feel like I've never been so calm, but it's like, I'm not at the office. There's not a bunch of people. We're not in and out of meetings. You know, I'm at home We're in zoom. My dogs sleep behind me in a big bed in my home office. And, and it's been calm, but I always have to remind our team when we talk to clients that are, we could tell are stressed or going through some stuff. It's like, we're sitting here at home. They're still there. They're on the front lines. They're dealing with the crazy pet owners who are pissed that they can't come inside and do things like that. So it's been a, it's been an interesting year. It has been. And I think everyone has struggled in their own way. And I think I'm extremely happy that I have a job and I'm able to make a really good living still. And there's a, a need for what I do, especially having kids. I am lucky my husband has flexibility because the months where the kids weren't in school or couldn't go to daycare, couldn't go anywhere. He basically was stay at home dad and I was still working. And so the stress level was pretty, pretty high. And I know a lot of people have, have dealt with that. Ashley and I actually talk a lot about the fact that we love what we do and we love going to work and we've been busier than ever, but then you go to work and you're guilty because everyone else is home with their kids or taking care of their family during a pandemic. So the mom wife side of us kind of struggles a little bit more. That's interesting. I think, but I mean, I think it's great that you guys are still doing that. So I mean, my, my wife has to go to work still. Her company does not want them working. She'll work from home like a day or two a week, but yeah, she's still out there. But yeah, I, I see it from your perspective. That's got to be tough. Well, I want to talk about your mentorship and what you do for young vets. You answered some questions before we recorded and we talked about what do you love about vet med? And I think you love what everyone loves. It's there's versatility. There's a challenge. You could do whatever you want. You can move around sort of like what you did. Mm -hmm. And then 
we ask everyone like, what's the least favorite thing you love about vet med? And that's not really to incite negativity, but I think most people understand that this industry, and by the way, I've worked in healthcare a lot in my life previous to vet med, and it doesn't matter. Humans, animals, it was kind of this, it felt exactly the same, but there's a lot of negativity, but you had said there's a lot of veterinary professionals who are unwilling to make changes, but magically expect it to be better. Now, what's funny about that is like you're in vet med and you feel that way. I feel that way about tech. I feel that way about some of our employees sometimes when we're in a one-on-one and they're like, yeah, this process, I just, it's driving me crazy. And I'll say, cool. What do you want to do about it? Well, I don't know. Oh, okay, cool. Then I wouldn't bring it up unless you have a fix. Let's figure it out. So you do mentorship and what stage in people's careers are you typically mentoring them? Are they still in school or are they out of school for a couple of years? Where do you get your hands on them? So ideally, I really love the vet students and and the new grads or the younger grads. And mainly it's because I think that they are so open to different possibilities. They're open to learning about the profession and realizing that there's not just one way to do things. And a lot of vets that have been out for a while, especially if they have been out and they've only been in one or two practices, I think they're limited in what they've experienced and what they think is possible. So I love to get my hands on the younger generation and tell them, these are the things I've done. These are the things that I've changed. This is the type of practice I work at now. This is how it's structured. And kind of talk them through some of the things that I love and what makes me still want to go to work every day and what keeps me happy and also makes me feel valued. It's interesting to kind of see them have like aha moments and realize that they can really find exactly what they want and what they need in this profession, but they have to kind of be open to all the possibilities. So the younger generation, for sure. And since I do most of my stuff on social media, they're also the ones that are the most active on the social platforms. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm curious, like, is there a common theme that they're coming to? Is it just like, is it nervousness? Is it, you know, just show me what to do? Because I read all of the articles. I mean, I feel like I know every single thing happening in vet med. I read every veterinary website, news website. I listen to all the podcasts. I follow everyone on social media. Like I, I'm really trying to soak it in so I can build products based on just an immense amount of information. What's the deal? Why is it so negative? And like, if you're a happy-go-lucky student, you're getting mentored by Dr. Crocker. How do we still get to that point? Because it's been a common theme from people that have been on this podcast where we, th- you know, it's like, what don't you like? I don't like the negativity and people aren't willing to make changes. I mean, that's basically what every single person says. But if every single person says that, why aren't changes happening? I think there's a very vocal minority that is extremely negative, And I don't really think they authentically represent veterinary medicine personally. I've had so many interactions where people have messaged me or sent me something after something really negative was said or done. And I get all these side messages of people saying like, this isn't my experience or I've done A, B, and C. And so I think that it's disheartening that the voice that is the loudest is maybe the most negative because I I don't know that it's the majority of everyone. But I also know when... You are struggling. It is very hard to hear other people saying, well, that's not my experience, or I don't know why you're like that, or just do 
these things and you'll be happy. And so there is a fine line to walk between like right now, I have a ton of students I talk to who are struggling and who are saying, I don't know that I can get through the year and I'm doing virtual learning and I can't go and visit practices and I have no hands-on experience. And I mean, they're spiraling pretty bad. And right now we're in a season where I think it's good to recognize that everyone is struggling and it's more of a, I'm here with you and I'm in it too, and we'll get through it versus a put your bootstraps and just get out there and be happy. And so I think you have to have people sharing. And my goal is always to share the reality of my day and the reality of what is happening in my career or in my life. And then talking about how I have chosen, and I think it's a choice to focus on the positive and not to dwell on the negative. So if I have a client interaction that's negative, that is one interaction in 40 throughout the day. And I have just learned that focusing on the one negative interaction is going to bring me down versus focusing on all the people that were so happy and thankful for what I did. And so I think it's a switch in your mindset and it's a training and it's teaching yourself to be grateful and to focus on the good, but it's not necessarily a just be happy. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And and that's not just wet med. That translates to what we do at Whisker Cloud too. And I'm currently dealing with a team of people who are we're just trying to come up with better, faster processes. You know, when we mm-hmm. have when we have thousands of clients that are around the world and we're no different than a vet hospital. We wake up every day. You guys go into the hospital and you say, these are the eight appointments we have, or these are the 20 appointments we have today. You don't know the calls you're going to get. You don't know the random emergencies, the frantic client. You don't know who's going to, you just don't know. And we're no different. It's like, I know today I had a meeting this morning. I'm doing this podcast recording with you. And I have two other meetings that equal about an hour of my day. And where I am, it's about 9.45 in the morning right now. But I know that it's not like that I have one hour left that's scheduled for my day. I know that my day will be taken in a thousand different directions. Employees are going to need me. Clients are going to reach out. I'm going to get my usual 250 emails and, and I won't know which ones need me right away. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I, I put a, I don't know about you. I spend an insane amount of time. I spend two hours a day keeping myself organized with to-do lists and checklists and emails and and things like that. Do you do anything like that? Because you do a lot of stuff. You work GP, you do emergency relief, you have a brand that you're building, you have a course, you're a mentor, you speak. It's a lot of stuff. I don't sleep a ton. No. (laughs) When I'm at work, I have a pretty good lunch break on some days. And that's a lot of times where I'll sit and I do exactly what you said. I sit and I make lists and I organize. I have a a written planner, which everyone still laughs at me about, but it has my schedule on there and when I'm supposed to be doing what webinar and where I'm supposed to be working what day. And then I also put my to-do list on there and prioritize them and, and mark stuff off. And there is, I mean, it is proven if you make a list and you are marking things off, it is very gratifying, right? And it also motivates you to keep going. And so I'm a big list maker. I have a ton of reminders in my phone. And then I recently have (laughs) had some people help me with some of the content stuff that I wanted to do because that has just kind of taken a life of its own and it's great and I love it, but I'm getting so many requests for things and and opportunities that I want to take advantage of. And I just physically don't have enough hours in the day to do it all. So 
I joke with my husband all the time that I need to hire somebody just to run my life. Um, I wish I could afford that because (laughs) it is a lot. And, you know, I still want to take my daughter to tumbling class and watch her and like take the kids to the park and let them play and show up for them. So it's definitely a balancing act. And I hate, hate the term. I wish you could get rid of the term work-life balance. There will never be a 50-50 balance. It's just impossible. But I do think having certain priorities and things that fill you up and things that motivate you is important and realizing you're in different seasons of life where you're going to give more to work or give more to home. And the pandemic, initially, especially, I just had to give a lot more to work. And now it's starting to balance out a little bit more as we get later in the year. But yes, I do a ton of lists. I'm sorry, that was the longest answer ever. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I'm with you, by the way, I don't believe in saying work life balance. And I'm a guy who works honestly, 16 hours a day. I'm like you, I sleep about four hours. And that's just yeah. naturally I survive on that. And that's fine. And I talk about work life balance. And this is and I feel like the people who understand it, this sounds like a normal statement, the people who are offended by this probably don't think the way I do about the type of life I want. So this sounds really bad, but I'm just going to say it. I I say this to my wife a lot when she's like, dude, you've worked till midnight two days in a row. Guess what? We have a ton of employees. We get to travel. There's food in the fridge. We bought a house. I mean, that came from five years of sacrifice. So do we live better lives than a lot of people in this country do? 1000%. But that wasn't handed. I mean, this Whisker Cloud's bootstrap. There's no investors. There's no loans. There's no debt. This was me putting every penny I had into it. The people who have work-life balance, if I was going to go work at Walmart or Target and stock shelves or be a checker there, cool. I go work my shift. I go home. There's nothing wrong with that. But me and that person are going to just live a, a vastly different life. And that's okay. This life is hard and it's not for everyone. But like someone like you, who's incredibly successful, who has a family and who does all of these things, it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to bust my ass and I'm not going to have as much of a work-life balance. So I think that's really tough to hear. And it kind of makes me come off like an elitist, but I'm not an elitist. I don't even drive a car. I got rid of my car. It's like, I always tell people like, I'm not the the CEO who's driving around in a Tesla down here in Southern California. It's like, no, you know, we got a nice house. It wasn't, we're surrounded by crazy houses we definitely went through the path that's like we want to be the smallest house in the nice neighborhood as opposed to the biggest house in a not so great neighborhood. And that's cool. Like that's that's what we want to do. We want to be able to walk to food and walk to the beach. So that's what we did. But I wear a whisker cloud t-shirt four days a week. I wear like the same like one brand of shorts I like during the pandemic. I have a bunch of pair. I wear basically a different color every day. I wear the same flip-flops I've been wearing for a year. You know, I don't take private jets. I don't have a Mercedes. I don't have a Rolex. Like I live a pretty chill life other than the fact that I work six hours a day. So maybe one day I don't really want any of that shit. So I was going to say like, we'll, we'll figure out something. Maybe I'll just get my, my wife a horse and we'll just call it a day. That'll be the big storage one day. That'll be it. I sleep six hours a night and I do my job and I do my mom job. And then I stay up and I do my social media stuff and my branding stuff and my website. And it's what I choose to do. And it's what I love to do. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? Is it would be different if I was doing all this and I didn't actually enjoy it. But 
I love it and I'm interested in it. And I love the connections that I make through it. And I love educating people and showing people veterinary medicine and me not sleeping seven, eight, nine hours a night is okay. And I think everyone's different, but I do, I have a ton of students. Oh my gosh, Adam, who'll be like, well, we want to start a social media account. I'm like, that's great. It's a lot of work. Like I did not realize how much work it would be at first. And now I kind of am in a, a zone and I have it figured out a little bit more, but it's not like I pop up cute pictures of puppies and kittens and then people just come running. I mean, it is a lot of work. And I think anything that you really want to be successful is going to be a lot of work and that's okay. And I do think the younger generation is maybe better about saying that other things fuel their passion. So travel or other experiences do. I think that for me, veterinary medicine stuff makes me happy and I like working on it. So that's what I'm going to continue to do for now. But my husband and I definitely are, we're working really hard so that we can provide our kids with opportunities. And so that one day we can not work so hard and we can have fun and and do what we want to do. Actually, this morning, we just invested in some pretty expensive like marketing automation software for Whisker Cloud. I jokingly put into our leadership channel in Slack, I said, okay, we just hired four more people. We've been hiring a lot as we've grown. Mm-hmm. We just invested really heavily into HubSpot and got like everything they offer. And I just like went through the list of all of the things we've been doing. We upped our ad budget. Brandon's managing that. And we're doing all these things. And I put like in all caps, like, can I please take a break now? And actually Lauren responded and said, yeah, but hopefully you'll get to retire soon. And it's like, I think everyone here knows that that would never be an option. I'd be bored like an hour later. So as much as I like (laughs) continually bitch about how tired I am and how stressed I am, I really like the the grind of it. And when Mm -hmm. my wife works from home, she's like, we have a, a townhouse and it's three stories and she works on the second floor. My office is down on the first floor and she's like, Dude, just like being in the same house with you while you're working, even being on a separate floor, the energy and hearing you and everything all day, it's like so tough to deal with. It's so frustrating because it's like such a heavy energy that like she doesn't want to deal with all day. And it's just like, well, I like that. I like that my days are like every day is nuts. Most nights it's like I fall asleep. I fell asleep last night. I fell asleep like every night sitting up on the couch, like my head just drooped down while we're watching TV. Cause it's like, I don't like physically get up and say, I'm going to bed now. It's like, it's always like her, like punching me in the arm being like, dude, let's go to bed. I'm the same way. The only thing that's helped me go to bed a little earlier, I will say these days is because I'm living in a camper with my husband, two kids and a dog and a cat. And in a camper, there's literally nowhere that you can go that is not going to be loud or keep people awake. So (laughs) I've been a little bit better about shutting things down a little earlier and it's been nice, but I still just lay in bed and like make notes and list and do everything that I can until I'm ready to go to sleep. So let's be honest, some people, it's not going to be healthy for them to work those amount of hours or they don't you know, it's not sustainable. And I take breaks when I need to. I am all about a good vacation. I just got back from Vail with my husband. And so I know when I need a break, but I do think that some people are just made to work that way. And I think it's interesting. You tell me, do you consider the term hustler a negative or a positive? I think, well, I'll give my honest opinion. I feel like my honest opinion always comes off bad. No, that's what I'm asking. 
I think there's there's a lot of people out there who are fake hustlers who hustle and call themselves a hustler but aren't actually doing things. So okay. in that sense, I'm like, eh, the people that are sitting there on Facebook, like, yeah, just worked 48 hours straight, killing it by my special tea that makes you lose weight. Like I'm not, I'm not about that life. I'm more about the for me and like for my employees at Whisker Cloud. The ones who crush it, they don't have to tell me they're crushing it. I'm well aware that they're crushing it. So I think the people that can kill it without you having to like notice it in terms of the term hustler, I don't know. I, I am curious to know where this, wh- why you asked that question. Well, because I had someone say that they felt like if I said like, oh, you're a hustler or like I'm a hustler, like it, that that's a negative term. And honestly, to me, It just means you're always looking for opportunities. You're looking to connect. You're grinding. You're putting in the work. Like to me, it's a positive. Like if you told me that I was a hustler, I'd be like, I am. Like I'm always wanting to do more, basically. And it just got me thinking that some people might consider that a really negative thing. But some people don't want to be called like a boss babe. It's just certain words, I guess, trigger different people. But to me, from what you say, I would consider you a hustler. You have a goal and you work hard for it. And you're always looking for different opportunities and ways to grow and expand. But I didn't know if that would be a negative to say that. I mean, I like that term. I mean, I graduated high school early. I got a scholarship to college. I moved out of the house before I was 18. So I've always been a hustler. I always had side businesses. Whisker Cloud was a side hustle of my agency that I owned. And then I was just a thousand times more passionate about this. Now with this... The problem is there are no side hustles because this has just mm-hmm. earlier you called it my baby. And it's true that it's my baby, but it's like five years later, it's still my baby. Like I, you can't imagine how protective I am of, of this company. It's like almost scary. It's probably more like if you had triplets, like it's babies, yeah, <laughs> right? Like but I mean, you probably feel the same way, like you're building an online brand and you probably are very cautious about what you post, what you say and how things come off, right? I am. And I'm very protective who I would partner with or who I would be willing to promote. And I don't really plan much in advance. A lot of my stuff is very what has happened to me that day or that week. And I just feel like that keeps it more authentic to who I am. If it's too planned out, that just wouldn't be me. And sometimes it's messy, like the post or the way that I'm trying to get something across maybe isn't as perfect as I would like it to be, but that's just who I am. So I'm just putting it out there. Well, I like who you are. And I think people who like follow you are like, okay, she knows her shit. She really cares about this industry and she tells it like it is. I do. I do shoot people very straight. Jessica Vogelstein. She's a straight shooter also. And I talked to her a little bit just about brand management and different things and goals. And she went into our conversation and she kind of had one idea. And then she's like, you're very straightforward. You are not a, I think because I love what I do and I'm really happy. She thought I would be, I think a little more warm and fuzzy and I can be warm and fuzzy, but I'm a pretty straight shooter. And some people can't handle that. And she's like, okay. Like I'm getting a different sense and I like it. And let me give you this advice. So it was kind of cool to have someone who is such a, to me, great storyteller and great brand manager to kind of get me and see me and be like, you keep doing what you're doing because it's working. So 
Well, here's how I want to end today. I want to talk about your Instagram feed. <laughs> okay. So I want to first tell a story about a picture of you from your Instagram feed. In fact, I had to go look because I wanted to make sure anyone that goes and follows you upon hearing this, it's if they go all the way to the beginning of your feed, it's the third post. And you're standing there holding your hands up, covered in blood and smiling. I'm really setting the scene here. Now, someone on our team put that next to a picture of Dwight Schrute from The Office. There's a scene late in the series where he goes to buy a crystal wizard from the mall. They kicked him out. He goes back to the office and Andy and Jim, they pretty woman Dwight. And, (laughs) and, you know, he's like, okay, good, sir. And they go back to the mall and he goes in and Jim asks the guy, well, why wouldn't you sell it to him? And there's a picture of Dwight in overall smiling, like holding his hands up covered in beet juice, but it looks like blood. And the sales guy said, this is why. And your pose is identical. And someone did put them side by side in our company Slack. And it was pretty incredible. And everyone's like, that's amazing. I need to see it. Yeah, I will send it to you. And maybe we'll post on our website as long as you approve. Yes, I don't care. (laughs) But when people look at your feed, it's like the videos, the photos, you post some pretty graphic stuff. Yes, I do. I think you have to be aware of who your followers are, right? And a majority of mine are veterinary professionals. And some of it's very educational. And some of it is just because our jobs are freaking cool. And we get to do some gross, different things sometimes. But I do not post as much graphic stuff on Facebook because I have less just veterinary professionals following me on there. But it's what we do. It's the reality. So... I do. I throw it up there. If you want, if you want some good grossness, big lipomas, oozy cysts, surgery videos, definitely follow me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always like, if you want to see nice pictures of the beach and pictures of my dogs, but like you have a picture smiling, holding a tail that was amputated. Mm-hmm. Some of these videos and my wife watches them and she's like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I was talking to Cody Creelman on a recent episode about that. It's like the, the first video I ever saw of him. He's like, this is Cody. And he's, you know, there's like music and shit. And he's like, see this. And it's like a giant abscess on a cow. Yes. He's like, watch this. And he like stabs it and stuff sprays all over him. And he's like rocking out. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And what did I just get into with Whisker Cloud? I could have been working with dentists, but then they'd probably be posting crazy stuff too. Uh, yeah. And people, people's mouths are gross. Cody, you know, the best thing though, is he just loves it. He loves it. And that's what makes his videos so great is he's just pumped up to be there, be with the clients and do whatever they're going to do that day. And he loves educating. So I love watching his stuff. It is awesome and fun. And again, the reality of what we do. We just hired someone new and she's helping internally with Whisker Clouds marketing. Obviously for us, we have a pretty big blog, a very active social presence. We send out a bunch of emails. We have a podcast. We're working on a thousand other automations, which is why we just made the switch to HubSpot. So so she was brought in and she was feeling a little nervous. And I made this comment to her. I said, listen, at some point, the pilot who was training just lands their own plane. At some point, the spine surgeon just says, hey, I'm just going to do this surgery. So for you doing all of these surgeries, how terrifying was your first surgery ever by yourself? So first surgery ever by myself was actually like in small animal was 
after four years out of school because I did horses and, you know, I would do some mass removals out in the field or I did a ton of lacerations, but no major, major surgeries because I was ambulatory and I didn't have like a hospital. So when I entered the small animal field, I actually had a really great mentor who initially kind of gave me relief work. And I was freaking out because I had not done a spay or neuter in four years and I had to do it. But I think, again, my personality of jumping in and doing things and I know the anatomy and I know how to ligate something and I know how to suture. And I had somebody I could ask questions and who was available, but the routine surgeries pretty quickly, I jumped in and just handle them. And it was like riding a bike, honestly, from what I had learned back in the day. Now, the more intense surgeries, I still get a little nervous, mixed with excitement because I love surgery. And I actually have like a breathing exercise I do before I do it, which sounds totally silly and crazy, but it just helps lower my heart rate and relax me a little bit because some of them are scary. I mean, it's lives, right? That we're dealing with. So it's a little intense some days. No, I mean, I'm actually glad to hear you do that breathing exercise because I'll be honest, and this is, I don't feel like I'm talking shit here. I'm just being honest. You know, we have one doctor we work with. He is not in the U.S. and he is the nicest guy. And I'll tell you, he is, you talk to him, you're like, this guy is a genius. He is so smart, but sometimes he'll email me and he'll like send, he'll send an email and it'll be half done. And then, mm -hmm. or, or we'll get on the phone and, and there's like these moments where I'm thinking like, this guy is so smart, but based on what I know about him, just in like dealing with him in a business sense, I think I'd be a little stressed if one of my dogs needed like life-saving surgery, even though I know he's a great surgeon, but I, you know, it's just funny to hear that. It's like, it's nice to hear that like, Hey, we're not business people. We're busy all day. But once it's time for surgery, you're like, I have my breathing exercise and I'm good to go. You have to have a routine and the routine settles you. So you scrub and then you glove and you gown and you, take your breaths. And I usually will close the surgery door and it's just me and the technician who's monitoring. And if it's a bigger surgery, I can like just really focus. But I think that it's important to be at the top of your game and ready to take on whatever needs to happen. So I love hard surgeries, but it is stressful. Well, tell everyone that's listening what you're working on, what you've got going, where they can find you, where they can follow you, all of that fun stuff. So one of the biggest things I just created actually with Danielle and Snout School is a veterinary career guide. And it is a awesome, fun, it's kind of based on like a Nancy Drew type find your own adventure book. And it's a PDF that you can download and basically has some flow charts. And it talks through the different types of veterinary medicine that I've done pros and cons of them. It has some journaling and some quizzes, and it kind of can help a vet student or younger grad, maybe look at different things they should consider when they're trying to figure out where they want to work and the type of animals they want to work on and maybe make it a little clearer what would be the best choice for your first job. So that actually just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's on the Snot School website and I'm really excited about it and it's really fun and I've gotten really great feedback from it. And then on Instagram, if you just want to see my veterinary life, a little bit of my mom life, sequel cases and graphic photos. Follow me at Dr. Crocker, And then everything's consolidated in one. 
on my website, which is beautiful and built by Whisker Cloud. And it is www.drcrockerpetvet.com. So that is where you can find all the stuff and all the things. And I have some other fun things I'm working on, but not ready to quite announce yet. But I just love connecting with people. And I appreciate you having me on. I know you've had some really big time, awesome people on this podcast. So I was excited that I got to come on and talk a little bit more about veterinary medicine and hopefully can connect with more people who want to move things in a positive direction and keep encouraging one another. You are big time. (laughs) No, (laughs) definitely not. I don't feel big time, but I'm enjoying myself. And don't you think that's the most important thing? I mean, if it ever got to be too much work and it wasn't fun and I wasn't getting messages from students or from people saying, thank you for this, or thanks for the encouragement, or thank you for sharing. I I wouldn't do it, but it's fun still. And it's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I look forward to connecting with you soon on all the awesome stuff you're doing. I hope everyone goes and follows her on Instagram right away. Maybe don't look while you're eating unless you're like my wife and you can just look at it anytime. Yeah, definitely don't. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Everyone out there listening, make sure you share, subscribe, rate, review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that fun stuff. And we'll see you next week. Bye.